How many of you know we have a future? Amen? We have a future. We have a future. And I really believe every scripture, I don't know how he's going to fulfill all these scriptures. I don't know everything, but I do know that God's word is true and every man a liar. And I know that he's going to fulfill these scriptures. Whether I like it or not, he can do it how he wants, right? So that's the goal is to get into his word, let his word get into you. And so when the power went out in my house this last week, it's happened a number of times. I enjoy the response of my children the most. I was inspired to put together this teaching, okay? I was inspired to put together this teaching that I think is very important that we do reflect on this and that we do this. Why do we need the Son of God? Amen? You know, so many times I meet with pastors or different people, and they, they want to know, well, what's your congregation like? What do you believe? What's your vision? And what I simply say is that we hold to the Christian doctrine, except we believe the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, means teachings and instructions, and it has not been done away with. Boom. That's all I do. I hold to the Christian doctrines, but we believe the Torah has significance. It's relevant. Amen. And of course, that we can actually begin to uh, discover the teachings and instructions of our Father. And the, the beauty of it is that it's not just this academia thing. It's the Holy Spirit helps me to understand the teachings and instructions. Amen. And so I want to submit to you that we've been in the Torah for 18 years. We've been a congregation for over 20 years. And I'm telling you, it is getting so awesome in here. God is really moving. I mean, I've never loved the Sabbath more. I've never loved the feast days more. I've never loved the Torah more. Amen. And I've never hated pork chops even more. But I'm just saying that God is good. This is not, you know, you ever hear of a mood ring or a pet rock? Those are fads, you know. And, and so I want to tell you that hang in there. There's, there's a crowd of virgins, but do you have oil in your lamp? Or are you just a virgin? So many people think they can do something at the last minute or I'll get right later. No, we get right today. Today is the day of salvation. We got to get right today. God has taken us on a journey, amen? We are on a journey. So once again, when the power went out in my house, I was inspired to put together this teaching because I was laying on the bed and, and, and I didn't realize the power had went out because all I noticed that my fan wasn't working, but it didn't really bother me or phase me until my teenage son, Josiah, comes storming down the hall with his phone, with the flashlight, the power's out! And I'm laying there, you know, like Lazarus. What do you want me to do? I'm a plumber, not an electrician. And I just, you know... Whenever you're in a group of people, you always get a response. It's different than everybody else, you know? Somebody's calm and cool, and some person's flailing their arms and screaming and ranting, raving. wig flies off. I mean, you know, there's those kind of people. But, you know, I was calm. I'm learning things, you know? Uh, and I tell you a little bit about my story and my kids and my, my wife. She doesn't listen to the teachings, so I can say whatever I want, amen? Uh, I know a lot of you go to her and say, you should really hear what Pastor Nick was saying about the family. Is that true? And, and she's like, oh, and so she confronts me and then this goes away too. Um, she don't have time to listen to my CDs. So I'm only sharing these stories because it, we're in training. We get to practice every day. So I'm sitting and I'm thinking, you know what? I want electricity. I want it so bad, but I don't need it. I don't need electricity. Come on, somebody. No, you're going, what? No way. You need electricity. Come on. 
So why do we need the Son of God? So it's needs versus wants. I'm telling you this, this is going to help you in the days ahead. Needs versus wants. There's a big difference, I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, we are a wanting people, right? You have been found what? Wanting and are guilty. Not that you have been found full of needing. No, you have been found wanting. I want, I want, I want. No, no, no. Look at the definition of need. Check this out. The definition of need. Circumstances in which something is necessary or that requires some course of action, necessity, it is a noun. Do you see that? Circumstances in which something is necessary or that require some course of action, a necessity. It's necessary. It's a necessity. Does everybody see that? It is a need. That's the definition. So I came up with this example I need oxygen in order to breathe. Would you all agree? Yeah. Everyone, you can hold your breath. Two things are going to happen. You're going to pass out and die, or you'll go, and go back to taking a breath again. You need oxygen. You don't want it. You need it. It's, a, it's necessary. It's, does everybody see that? I'm going to prove a point to you today, okay? I'm proving a point. Necessary. I need oxygen in order to breathe. It's necessary. Now, the definition of want. Oh, we got a room full of wants, don't we? I could just sit all day with my family and just, oh, tell me, child, what would you, what would you like? What, what do you want? Number one, the definition of want, a lack or deficiency of something. Amen. A lack or deficiency of something. It's a noun. Number two, a desire for something. Once again, a noun. A desire for something. A lack or deficiency of something. How many of you are on the Daniel Fast? Don't raise your hand. You want coffee. You want it. I've heard you. I've had somebody say to me, I think Kathy was telling me, I woke up this morning and I, I wanted a chai latte. Oh. Come on, let's get the oil. Father, just touch her right now. The spirit of chai latte is upon her. Leave in the name of Jesus. But do you need a chai latte? No. Amen. I told you like day two or three of the fast, and I wasn't even really hungry or anything. I'm telling you, I had this dream. I ate these little cupcakes and a big glass of milk. And I woke up. I was like, I guess I'm going to have to start over. But it was, oh, it was a dream. But I felt, oh, you know, but I didn't need those little cupcakes and that big glass of milk. I wanted it. You know, and, 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 and all I'm sharing with you is when I talk with some of you, all of you have circumstances. It's funny if I share my circumstances or you share your circumstances, we don't want each other's circumstances. We're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry about that. But they don't want yours and you don't want theirs. But I mean, we all have circumstances. We just do. So here's an example of a want. I want a venti triple cafe latte brevet with six raw sugars, stirred with love, extra hot, and no foam. Thank you. I want it. Matter of fact, I want it right now. Can someone go get me one? I want it. This is unnecessary. 
This is unnecessary. And, and why I'm sharing this is because it's true. We want so much, and then when we don't get that want, we're disappointed. I didn't get my wants. Amen? When my wife and I first got married, you know, she'd give me a massage on my shoulders and get rid of the stress, you know, because my love language is physical, so she'd give me some massage, you know. I haven't seen my wife in three months. <laughs> Could I get a, a, a massage? Where, you know, she's got a kid screaming on her hip, you know, and she's got the phone, she's cooking dinner, and I'm like, can I, I get a massage? <laughs> I mean, that's not a need. It's what I want. I want a massage and I want it now. I, I tell, I'm, I'm not going to tell you again. I want a massage. I want a, hey, I, I want a massage. I text her, I want a massage. And it's like 10 minutes later, LOL. <laughs> LOL. F, you know, when I first started texting and stuff, I didn't know what LOL was. What's a lull? I said, there's a lull. There's a lull in my massages. There's this lull. She's right. There's a lull. Let's, let's stop this. And then I found out it's laugh out loud. Then there's this raffle, like roll on the floor laughing or something. I don't know. I'm not into that, folks. But in Psalm 37, 4, check this out. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. God's not against my special coffee, okay? Amen? I mean, people give me coffee cards, and I just keep, you know, accumulating them, you know? The one guy was like, you have so many points, you know? You have thousands of points. <laughs> you know, you get free coffee with these points. I'm like, oh, I do More what? Don't tell the kids. But what's happening in the earth today is we are desiring the things of the Lord. And there's battle raging inside of us that we want to do what is right. We want to serve the Lord. We want to hear his heart. We want to serve his purposes. But we have all these wants inside of us, and it drags us down. Amen? It drags us down. And I'm really reevaluating it in my own life because I'm reevaluating it because they say when you're 50, you're over the hill. I don't believe that. I believe that I'm on top of the hill at 50, okay? And I'm looking down at the 60-year-olds and the 70-year-olds, and I'm encouraged, okay? Because one day I will be down the hill with you. But now I'm on top of the hill looking at even the young people, you know. It's like I'm looking at the, then back here there's the, the young people, the 20-year-olds, you know, the babies. But there's a, there's a shift in the earth today, okay? There's a shift in our governments, in the land, in the climate, Okay? in the economy, in the nations. There, there's a shaking, a real shaking going on, uh, a vacuum for strong leadership, right? And so I want to begin to share that this message with you because I want to make it perfectly clear what Beit Tehillah believes and who we are. Amen? We, we're not going into Judaism. We have not forsaken the Lord. He's everything to us. And the Lord will lead and guide us. You know, Yeshua said, my sheep hear my voice, and they do what? They ignore me. And they obey, they follow. So we need to hear his voice. We need to hear his heart. So we need the Son of God because he is part of the Godhead. 
Amen. I know there's a lot of controversy over the Trinity and all this other stuff. I don't want to get into all that. I'm going to teach you the Godhead, okay? It's found in the New Testament. I like the term Godhead, amen? Acts 17, 29, Romans 1, 20, and Colossians 2, 9, amen? Acts 17, 29, let's read it together. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device, amen? The beginning of Romans is very good, isn't it? These things that people make God into or the term like animal mag magnetism drawn to the things that are like animal in nature, like the football teams, the Chicago Bears and the Miami Dolphins, and we have this animal magnetism kind of thing. But, but I mean, he's the creator. We don't worship the creation, okay? Man's device. Romans 1.20 for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The heavens declare what? The glory of God. And we're seeing signs in the heavens, aren't we? People say, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. Even a lot of Christianity will say, no big It's a big deal to see a lunar eclipse, a solar eclipse, amen? meteor showers. All these things are signs in the heavens to declare his glory. But it also can be used as a warning, amen? It can be used as a warning. So man is without excuse. This is what this verse is saying. There's no excuse not to believe in God. You can make up one, but it's not going to hold any, any weight, so that they are without excuse. Look at that. Colossians 2.9, let's read it together. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Right? For in him, who's him? Yeshua. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Boy, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Oh, he ain't no baby in a manger, is he? Oh, look at the little baby. No, 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 no. No, that's... A mighty, mighty warrior, captain of hosts. Amen. Let's look at this word Godhead. In the Greek, the word Godhead denotes divinity in the New Testament, okay? In the Greek, the word Godhead denotes divinity in the New Testament. What is divinity? It's the state of being a God. The state of being a God. Now, the thing that I've realized in our culture, which is coming quickly, is we have this little God complex in the earth today, in our culture, amen? People running around thinking that they are God. Little God syndrome. And we know that this came about in the Garden of Eden. If Eve would only take part of that fruit, what would happen? You shall be as God. And that's what the prince of this world is offering our culture and the people. And they're taking it, hook, line, and sinker. They're taking it. Where's the empathy for one another? Where's the care for one another? Where's the circumstance come in our life that we can just endure to the end and be saved? Oh, this shouldn't happen to me, and... This shouldn't happen to me. And Well, who are you? A God? You're not. You're not divine. So notice what the culture is throwing out at us. Even all these superhero movies, 
Billions of dollars are made on superheroes. Superheroes. And Yeshua is the original Avenger. And he's by himself, folks. He doesn't need the Incredible Hulk or Iron Man, Tony Stark. No, you know, I saw this T-shirt. It had like Yeshua sitting down with all the superheroes around him. And, and he says, and this is how I saved the world. Like, ooh, I love that. So this is what's happening in the earth today. He's the creator. We're the creation. Amen? And, and, and the only way you're going to move forward with God is if you humble yourself. Truly humble yourself. Because you can get stuck in a rut. Amen? You can get stuck because you didn't humble yourself. And this is where these circumstances come about. We're going to start off with Genesis 1.26. Let's read it together. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Look at this. Let us make man in our image. The plurality of, of the Godhead. Do you see that? It's let us make man in our image. And there's many interpretations of this that he's referring to him and the creation and the animals and the plants. Let us, okay, let us. But I believe it's the Godhead. Amen? I've been in Hebrew roots for over 20 years. It, this is not difficult stuff. There are the basics that we need to know. Amen? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Amen? Let's look at Genesis 11:7 in regard to the Tower of Babel. Here's what he says. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Does anybody see that? Go to, let us go down in reference to the Tower of Babel. Okay, Godhead. Isaiah 48, 16, let's read this together. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was there am I. And now the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. Listen, take the scriptures literally. Take them literally. We don't even do that. We try to spiritualize it and break it down in the Hebrew and just read your Bible and break it down. The Lord God... And his spirit. I mean, right? I'm not, a, I'm not a theologian. But if you take that Bible literally, you're going to get an understanding. Let's keep reading. How about John 1.14? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love this. Listen, you could teach the gospel to a five-year-old. Amen? God made us. We messed up. He got us out of it through his son. God made us. We messed up. Yeshua brings us back to the Father. Boom. There's your gospel. Amen? Come on. It's too complicated. We like talk our way out of salvation and being born again. And, our, and so we just talk our way out of it. No, it's simple. Salvation belongs to God. It's a free gift. Notice the word was made flesh. What word was that? The Torah. 
They didn't have the Pauline epistles back then. The Pauline epistles did not come alive and become the, the Word made flesh. No, the Word. Now, it's interesting. There's also this concept of what word? The Aleph and the Tav, amen? In the Hebrew, the Aleph and the Tav is what? He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Isn't that what it is in the alphabet? The Aleph and the Tav, et, et, right? In the beginning, right? There's that word et, and it's like the fourth word in Hebrew. And it's interesting that if he's the et, the Aleph and the Tav, notice after 4,000 years, the et came. <laughs> in the beginning, right? The very beginning of Genesis. He's the Aleph and the Tav. The word was made flesh. So out of ignorance, we say, oh, well, the law's been done away with. Well, then there goes Jesus. There goes Yeshua. Say bye-bye. Oh, that's been done away with. But if the Torah was made flesh, we might want to consider it. Right? Two of you agree with that. <clears throat> John 1.18. Let's read this together. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. <clears throat> Do you see that? Do you see God? Do you see the Son? Do you see the Father? Do you see it? Do you understand? You know, think about it. The only begotten Son is the only one that has seen the Father. Pretty good, isn't it? What does the Gospel of John teach? The deity of Yeshua. Yeshua is Yahweh. Yahweh is Yeshua. Get over it. Some people just argue over this and, and debate it and get confused over the deity, the divinity of God. But yet they believe that Clark Kent is Superman. I don't believe he's Superman. Just because he wears those glasses gives him away. But if you'll even notice in our culture, all the movies and even the music, you know, a lot of these artists uh, nowadays are claiming divinity. I don't have time to get into it. They're claiming divinity in the words of their songs. I don't have time to get into all of that. But that's when I know we're close to the Messiah returning. When people start claiming divinity, that they're God, no, our God is coming and you're not God, okay? I mean, you got a lot of, had a lot of chutzpah just to think, you know, songs that are sexually immoral and debauchery and all that, but then to start singing about divinity, you've crossed a line. I was amazed. I don't really keep up with today's music, but I was amazed when I did a research on this. False gods, you know, I, I mean, I was amazed at, at, at the lyrics, really amazed. In John 10, verses 30 and 31, let's read it. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him for blasphemy. He, he claimed what? Divinity, didn't he? Did he say, I and my father are one? He said it, not me. Now, this is an incredible portion of Scripture in here in John 10. Because in John 10, 22, it says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, Hanukkah, and it was winter. So let the whole chapter play out. Amen. Let the whole chapter play out. Read it in context. Basically, Yeshua celebrated Hanukkah. Oy vey. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. What would Jesus do, bracelet? Better take that off. Put it in my pocket. No. Um, but what's funny is if you go back in hindsight and look at what the, this, the spirit of Antichrist did, 
Like Antiochus Epiphanes, how many of you are familiar with that character? He was a false, what? False Christ. He was an antichrist, right? From the spawn of Satan, whatever you want to call it. I mean, type and shadow. But, but the thing is, Yeshua goes to Hanukkah and claims his divinity. No, I am God. Why? Because Antiochus was on the Temple Mount saying that he was God and he put an image up. Did he not? Did he not put this image up? It's called the abomination of desolation. And what did Yeshua say? Oh, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of by what? The prophet Daniel. It's going to happen again. There's nothing new under the sun. Whatever's been pushed aside, God requires. Remember that. So that's keeping it in context. So the gospel of John is all about the deity of Yeshua. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. I love this one. This one's so power-packed. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Stop right there. This is Yeshua. This is incredible. He's not just the son of God. Wow. Keep reading. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Amen? He is the head of the body. Right now in the earth, there's, there's these organizations, there's these groupings of people that are jockeying for this head of the body to be the, the firstborn, to be the, 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 the big enchilada, the, or the big kahuna, whatever you want to call it. The Jews are trying to do this with Isaac. Muslims are trying to do this with, with Ishmael, and, and the Christians are trying to do this with Jesus. And this is where you're seeing the fighting among these three groups of faith. How many of you understand what I'm saying? I'm right, you're wrong, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. And there's this fighting, but these three entities or groups of people came from Abraham. Amen? So we know that, okay? And so we get all worked up over that. It doesn't bother me. But from these subgroups, like I said, I shared this before, I'll share it again. From Judaism, we get Jews for Jesus back in the 70s, right? They were believing Jews in Yeshua that wanted to practice their faith, Right? in the form of the customs, traditions among the Jewish people, but they wanted to practice their faith with Yeshua. How many understand what I'm saying? It's Jews for Jesus. You're familiar with that. The Jesus movement, Woodstock, all that time period. They broke off from Judaism. And then, of course, in Christianity, we have what? The Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. We have broken off from mainstream evangelicals to say, hey, we're non-Jews, but we want to practice like the believing Jews. Amen. But what's happened is in the earth, the believing Jews want to control everything. But God says, no, you're not going to control everything. That's why there's this faction, there's this friction, there's a schism there between Messianic Jews and the Hebrew roots faith, the movement. And so God drops us down into that movement. And of course, what has come from Islam, but radical Islam. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? Does it make sense? So now what's happened is Beit Tehillah has broken off from Hebrew roots. 
because it's a mess. And they're shooting themselves in the foot and they're not going to get anywhere because they, they don't even know the head because they can't even be a body. So now we're under Yahweh. Whatever Yahweh wants to restore the two houses and to restore the whole house. Now he's taken us for himself. See? And this is where it gets kind of fun because nobody's got to figure it out. Amen? Because we have taken steps and stages to get to where we're at. Amen? In the Hebrews of the Christian faith, they're very critical. They talk about each other. They put each other, they expose the nakedness of somebody else. They bash the church. Come on, somebody. We're guilty. We've repented of that. We can't do that. Because I'm telling you, things are happening quickly in the earth today. And as much as I see this stuff happening in the earth, God is doing more than what the earth is doing. You just haven't tapped into it. Amen? You haven't tapped into it. And you got to remember this prophecy about the head being crushed in Genesis 3.15. How many of you understand what I'm saying in Genesis 3.15? Enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. Yes, Satan has seed. He has children. Don't try to figure it out. Yeah, they're here. They're in the government. They're everywhere. Seriously. I mean, there's, there's a lack of common sense even in the times in which we live. Excuse me, do you have common sense? Oh, you know, you don't? Sorry about that. But I mean, I'm just saying that we got to start putting all these pieces together because God wants obedience and intercession from us. I call it oi. Be obedient and intercede because there's goofy stuff happening around me, stuff happening, you know, obedience and intercession, right? You intercede for the goofiness and the no common sense. Intercede for that. That's why God has, has given us the Torah for teachings and instructions to lead and guide us into more than common sense. Amen? This is serious stuff, guys. Going back to the prophecy, Satan always wants to be the head, but he's not. But what happens? The heel crushes the head, does it not? In the prophecy, it says the heel will be bruised because he crushed the head of Satan. Why is the heel bruised? Because he was put on a cross with a nail through it. Take it literally, folks. Take the prophecy literally. He has a bruised heel because he had nails to crush Satan's head. Literally bruised heel. Amen? Chew on that. Wow. See, this message is all about him. Forget about you. Die to yourself and look to him. It's all about him. Because when the Holy Spirit was telling me when the power was out, do you want Yeshua or do you need him? Asking me the question, I said, I need him. I don't want him. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't play that game. Amen? So the Heavenly Father has a son. Come on, somebody. Anybody that would deny this has the spirit of Antichrist. Ignorantly or knowingly, whatever. I'm just saying that you have a, a version of the Antichrist. Because in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement, Right? It's very subtle. A lot of them won't even claim the deity of Yeshua. Sorry. It's true. It's dangerous. It is so dangerous out there, it's scary. Seriously. Shipwrecked faith. People don't even know what they believe anymore. 
I teach in here and I give you instructions. I give you the word. We do the Torah. We do the Sabbath and the feasts. People still get online and, and become goofy and whacked out. Why? What are you doing to yourself? What do you believe? And then when you leave the, the YouTube channel, you don't even know what you believe. Well, pastor taught this and I watched this and I got this as an email. I don't know what to believe. This is what's happening. You better know what you believe. Demons believe, but it's what you're doing with what you believe, right? Theology is what you think. Doctrine is what you do, folks, okay? So the heavenly Father has a son. Let's go into these verses. Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Let's read it. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. This is not about David and Solomon. This is about Yahweh and Yeshua. I mean, the Psalms are prophetic. I mean, there's Messianic Psalms. <coughs> I'm telling you, I love this Psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Look at Psalm 2.12, I love this. Kiss the son lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. There's this prophecy in Numbers. Remember when Balaam was prophesying? And he did this prophecy and he, he said what? That all the people would be drawn into this savior, to this king. Amen? So you've got to be careful that we're not drawn to a movement. We're not drawn to a minister or a church, but we're drawn to the person of Yeshua. We're being drawn to him and not a cult. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. He's already kissed us, amen? He loves us. Psalm 110, verse 1. It's not a PowerPoint. Psalm 110, verse 1. I love this. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. If you think about it, how did, how did Yahweh save the children of Israel? With what? With what? An outstretched arm, right? With an outstretched arm, Yahweh saves the children of Israel, right? And what does it say here? Sit at my right hand. Who is the right hand of Yahweh? Yeshua. <laughs> Yeshua. Proverbs 30, verse 4. I threw in some extra ones last night when everybody was sleeping. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> everybody's asleep. I can, I can live. I can think. Look at Proverbs 30, verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Can you tell the son's name? Yeshua. Some people can't. Some people can't. Daniel 7.13. Daniel 7.13. Once again, if you want these PowerPoints, 
contact Kathy, call the office, or send an email, and we will send them to you. Amen? Daniel 7, 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. You're getting ready to go into the coronation of the king in those verses. See, there's going to be a coronation for Yeshua to be king. Think about it. And so here we have this particular entity here. One like the Son of Man is coming to who? The Ancient of Days. Two different people. Think about ice, right? What do you have when you got ice? What can you have? How can we break it down? Solids, vapors, and what? H2O. I don't get the Godhead. No, but you got an ice maker. I don't get that Godhead. I don't believe that. You're just drinking your drink, ice cubes. I don't believe in you. No, come on, people. Think about this. And then we get accused that we worship three gods, and that's what the devil does. He likes to twist the God and twist the scriptures, twist, oh, you Christians, you worship three gods. And, and really, that's what the Jews believe. A lot of them believe that. So we're idolaters because we worship Jesus. No. But what did Yeshua say? Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Amen? The three are one. The Godhead. Come on, somebody. Seriously. And it's funny, you know, when people want to argue over the Trinity and all this stuff, I'm like, have you read Revelation? There's a false Trinity. And the devil's only going to want to imitate what is true. So why do you have the beast, right? The dragon and the false prophet. Duh. False trinity, false godhead, the dragon, right? The beast, the false prophet. It's a counterfeit of the godhead. Boy, I just solved your trinity problem right there. Oh, I'm telling you, this is good stuff, isn't it? This is good, good stuff. Once again, let's look at some verses about the sun. Let's look at Luke 135. Let's read it. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. There's your Godhead in one verse. The Holy Ghost, the highest, the Son of God. I'm just saying. Seriously. We think our way out of this. I don't know about that, you know. I see three, right? The Holy Ghost, the highest, Son of God. If you can't figure that out, don't worry about it. It's what it says, right? We don't know how a lot of things work, amen? I stick a key in a car and it starts up and I go somewhere. I don't know how that works. Could you break down to me the moving parts and what would call that centrifugal force and energy to cause those gears to churn and that to ignite and that to be sparked and that to churn? Can you like get the car? Can I drive this car? I don't know how it works. I'm not too sure about it. 
right? You've just thought about it. Your television set, your iPad, I mean, I'm not sure how this works. I don't think I can use this. Don't know how the iPad works. I'm not sure about that. Let me just check my Facebook real quick. Continuing with the Son, Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, continuing on, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Do you see that God hid in that verse? Okay, you have the Son of God, you have the Holy Ghost like a dove, and then His voice. Is this complicated? No. Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. You know, it's interesting that, you know, Yeshua, why would He be baptized? I mean, He had no sins. Listen, ceremonial purposes, He went into the water to tell all of us it's okay to go under the water. I'm not going to judge you. You're not going to die. You're going to have a new life when you come out of the water. Come on, somebody. Have you ever tried to figure that out? We talk about the ice age, right? You saw the movie, right? Squirrel trying to get the nut. Some of you can relate to that. Ice age, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Just get the whole Blu-ray series. I mean, how many ice ages do you want, right? Maybe they're trying to prove the deity, you know? Look at the ice. Some of you didn't get that. But anyway, what I'm saying is that there was a flood just like in Houston. Listen, I'm telling you guys something. That wasn't a normal flood. We're talking about a storm that just sat and dumped water. I mean, listen, I'm telling you, God's got my attention. I'm trying to do everything I can to be obedient to my Father. Seriously, in all honesty, I'm not perfect. I'm not the best. I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box. But I can assure you of this, he's got my attention. He has my attention. And everything I share, everything I give you is for you to draw to the Father. This does not bring you closer to me. And the Jews are very good at inspecting themselves, amen, and going over their conscience Thoughts, words, and deeds. They're very good at that. Christians are not good at this. We're good at pointing out everybody else. Listen, even when you do this, man, people come to mind. You want to put their name on this paper. Oh, I know about her. She should be, you know. Or he, this. I'm t- come on, am I the only one that experienced that? And I'm like, I'm supposed to be examining myself. Think about it. How about John 3.16? Let's read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? You dance with the one who brung you, don't you? Oh, yeah. I discovered some interesting facts that I want to share with you off the record here, not as a PowerPoint. Because if you look at this, this is like the most famous verse in every football game. Amen? You you ever notice at the football games, you don't see Leviticus 23. 
Leviticus 23. Feast days. Feast days. No, no. It's John 3.16. Because if you're going to give any verse, that's the one you want to give. Amen? Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Don't you want to live forever? You know, that's inside of you. We were never meant to be sick or to die or any of this stuff. There shouldn't be any Kleenexes. Seriously. That's our fallen nature. <laughs> you know, that's our fallen nature. Kleenexes is because of fallen nature. But we have hope because he's got to put it all back together again. You're going to live in his kingdom. You're going to get a new body. I'm telling you, it is going to be rocking and rolling. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm telling you, so, some of us aren't going to heaven because he's coming to earth. Everybody wants to go up. He's coming down. He's going to be like, where are you going? I'm down here. Oh, I'm sorry. Coming down. You know? Bing. But check this out. In the Quran, among Islam, God has no son. Simple. Surah 116, 572, 4 and 171, 6 and 101, 10 and 68, and then 19 and 35. Yes, I have a Quran. Here are the inscriptions on the inside of the octagonal arcade on the northeast corner of the Dome of the Rock. Inscriptions on the inside of the octagonal arcade on the northeast part of the Dome of the Rock. Listen to this. Far be it removed from his transcendent majesty that he should have a son. His is all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth. Basically, he has no son, he begets no son. Inscriptions on the outside of the octagonal arcade, northwest corner, outside. Praise be to God who hath not taken unto himself a son, and who hath no partner in the sovereignty, nor hath he any protecting friend through dependence. Praise be to God who hath not taken unto himself a son. Makes it very clear, amen? It's the spirit of Antichrist. Far be it removed from his transcendent majesty that he should have a son. There you go, amen? There must be something to this, right? To say that God has no son, there must be something to this. You understand what I'm saying? It's a spiritual war. Amen? What did, what did Yeshua say? When I come back, will he find what on the earth? Faith. Will you really believe? Now, we need the Son of God because without him, we cannot come to the Father. Let me say that again. We need the Son of God because without him, we cannot come to the Father. Let me pull that slide up. John 14, 6. So we need the Son of God because without him, we cannot come to the Father. We're going to quote Yeshua. Amen. It's not what I thought or what I said. It's what he said. Amen. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what does that do? What does that verse really, really do for us? It eliminates the Buddhists, 
Hinduism, any other religion, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot come to the Father except through him. And if these people don't accept his divinity, that he is God, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior, then how can you come to the Father? Amen? Let me help some of you. In the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, it's a great movement. It's awesome. But the problem we all fall into is we get stuck in do's and don'ts, and yet we don't have this purpose fulfilled inside of us. This is what I want you to do. Take Yeshua, talk about all that he has done. Every verse that I'm sharing is what he has done or what he's going to do, you know, what he has done. And talk about that and lift him up. And then you're going to have purpose. Then go do the commandments of God. We try to do the commandments of God and the Hebrews of Christian faith and the Sabbath. We do all this, oh, look at me, look at my Jesus, look at me, look at my, look at me. And it's like you're empty. And you're not really fulfilled. And then you start having problems in your life. You ever noticed that? I've noticed that. When I think it's all about me, that's when all hell breaks loose and my world starts falling apart because I can't keep it together. I blame it on the, the marriage and the seven kids. It doesn't work. But when I acknowledge Yeshua... He puts my life back together. Now you understand. You get to do these things because what I've already done. See, we're justified by the finished work of the cross. Now we're being sanctified, but we forget how we've been justified. He's done all the work, folks. Listen, if anybody's a workaholic, it's me. If anybody's driven or into performance, it's me. If anybody's competitive, it's me. You will not outdo me when it comes to one getting something done and get it big and be first and be competitive. That's me. But Yeshua's got to be first place. It's what Yeshua has done. And he says what? Take my yoke upon you. What yoke are you carrying today, everyone? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do on your own without Yeshua that he hasn't already done? Amen? It's, it's like a hamster, you know? He's just going, 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 you know? It's like the duck, you know? He's, he's paddling away underneath, freaking out. But the top of the water looks great. But underneath, man, it's, oh! am I the only one? I just get a kick out of people. I really do. I get talking to people, so, you know, life is so hard and this and that, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. It's just you and your spouse. How hard is it? Come over to my house. Really, you're going to leave feeling so much better. You don't have problems. Amen? My husband and I, you know, we just got this, we're just working this out. I'm like, I'm here, and I got empathy. I mean, I, I can relate. I'm like, you know, put my arm around him. Like, I know. I'll tell you what. Come over to my house. Come to my house, and then let, let me talk to you. But this is what we do. People ask me, how do you have seven kids? I don't know. Don't ask me. Ask my wife. We don't know. We just do it. Right? We just do it. Right? She's got a younger sister. I got a younger brother. That's our experience. Boy, that's real helpful. Well, I did have a sibling. There's seven of them running around. Think about it. Think about that verse. Chew on it. Have you ever just meditated on See, this is what I do, everybody. I put this teaching together. I do stuff. I just chew on these verses. I repeat them over and over. Break them down. I am the way, the truth, the life. See, the way the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So I, I just break it down, see? And, and that's, that's a powerful, powerful verse. 
And these verses, actually in these chapters, 14, 15, 16, and 17, is actually the most intimate verses you could ever read about Yeshua and his disciples. Those that didn't leave him or discard him, you know, because after Judas Iscariot left, Jesus starts to really pour out the intimate things. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to discover some of these verses. We need the Son of God because he is our Savior and takes away our sins. We need the Son of God because he is our Savior and takes away our sins. Is that a need? If you don't want to go to heaven and you don't want God, then it's not a need. Oh, now it's starting to change. Matthew 121. Let's read it. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Isn't that simple? He shall save his people from their sins. Now, just chew on that. Their sin. He saved me from my sins. So shouldn't you acknowledge your sins? We all fall into that trap. Well, I confessed a week ago. He knows. No, confess your sin. Be honest with him. Be honest. Think about it. Acts 5.31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Are you Israel? If you're grafted in. Did Yeshua die for Israel? Amen. He came to his own. His own didn't receive him. But did he still die for them? Oh, my goodness. Think about what he spoke on the cross. That'll preach. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why? Because they were under the influence of Satan. They were under the influence of Satan. We have enough bad leadership in the earth today, whether it's in the church or the government. There's enough bad leadership. But if you have good leadership, respect it, support it, help to grow it. Amen? That's what I want for this church, good leadership. Because most people aren't even used to it. I spoke to a friend of mine that quit going to church because he went to one church and the pastor committed adultery. Then the the other church, the... uh, uh, the pastor was abusive to the wife or something, and, and then this, and they just quit going to church because of that. They couldn't find a church. They were so disappointed, discouraged. And I told them, you can't give up. There are good churches. Amen? Notice him hath God exalted with his right hand. 1 John 3, 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So you got to think about spiritual laws, everybody. Once upon a time, there's a beautiful kingdom with no sin. But sin or the iniquity was found in who? Satan was the first person with iniquity. Iniquity is something that's handed down, folks. It's handed down. The iniquity is in your blood from your forefathers. Sin is handed down. The iniquity is handed down. So that's why you got to look at patterns of sin so that you can overcome these curses and plead the blood of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus go into your bloodstream and cleanse you of these horrible things. Amen? He was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So, see, it's about spiritual laws, everybody. This is so simple, but you can elaborate on it. So there are spiritual laws that are in effect. So God cannot allow sin. So what did he do? He cast Satan out. And he took one-third of the angels with him. 
Then a lot of crazy stuff happened after that. But the bottom line is that that's what we're dealing with today. Satan and the fallen angels. See, the victory's already won for us. He's already won it for us. And it even says that the Holy Spirit would show you that the ruler of this world has been judged. You need to quit sleeping with him and tell him you've been judged and get out of bed with him. Quit sleeping with the enemy. Think about it. How about this? We need the Son of God because he is our kinsman redeemer and the closest relative that we will ever have or know. I remember I was getting towards Passover and I was out by the pool doing my therapy, just checking out the waves and just chilling out by the pool, meditating. And it was like the Holy Spirit gave me this, gave me this. He's the closest relative that we will ever have or know. See, Jesus is a real person, people. He is a real person. Don't treat him like a fair weather friend. He knows your lies. He knows your little tricks. And treat him as such. So when you go to him, you say, I messed up again. You know it. You see it. Help me, Jesus. You know, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you know that? That's not a one-time event. Let's look at Job 19.25 as the Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer. Let's read it. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job is one of the oldest books of the Bible. And look at what he says. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Amen? The Messiah was taught from Adam and Eve on. Everything was taught. Prophecies were given. Things, things were taught. Amen? For I know that my Redeemer liveth. It's a big deal. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Some of you want a word from God. Read Isaiah 40 to 66, then get back with me. It's a picture of the New Testament. I believe he's really speaking to us through Isaiah 40 and 66. This thing is big. Look at the word Redeemer. Once again, Isaiah 40 to 66 is a picture of the New Testament. Isaiah 1 through 39 is a picture of the Old Testament. Because there's 66 chapters in Isaiah, reflects 66 books of the Bible. Very interesting, isn't it? Isaiah 44, 24. Once again, we're still like in the New Testament like this. Let's read it. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by it myself. Who formed you in the womb? He did. He knew you before the foundations of the earth were laid. That's mind-boggling. He's the creator. We're the creation. Amen. How about Isaiah 54, 5? Wow, look, we're like in this New Testament kind of thing, right? Look at this. Oh, this will really, really make you think. Let's read it. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall he be called. You got to get into the word and let the word get into you. I'm telling you, it will bring you deliverance. A Bible in the hand is worth more than 10 on the shelf. Right? Think about it. 
For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. Wow, he's the total package. You don't need anything else. Last one, Isaiah 63, 16. Let's read it. Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer, thy name is from everlasting. If you go back and read this in context, it's a prayer. What do you mean Abraham be ignorant of us? Abraham didn't understand Beit Tehillah. He didn't understand this. He knew descendants would come, but that's all he knew. He didn't know there'd be a Beit Tehillah. And notice it says what? Israel acknowledges not. Those Jews are natural branches that are going back to the land. They, don't, they, they, they can't figure it out. They don't acknowledge us because we're not Jewish because nobody knows the full plan. It's revelation upon revelation upon revelation. It's called a progressive revelation. It's like Joseph. He knew who his brothers were, but his brothers didn't know who he was. This is what's happening. You can't try to prove to the other person who you are because it hasn't been revealed to them. Because Joseph brought his brothers near. And what did he do? He revealed himself. So what's going to happen with the Orthodox Jews? We're going to build a relationship with the Orthodox Jews, with the Land of Israel Network, and, and, and we're going to build a and we're going to get to know each other. And then, pew, pew, the revelation will be known. The house of Joseph has been revealed. There's already bits and pieces of this already. Amen. So this word redeemer is very important. It's number 1350. It's the Hebrew word ga'al, and it means the following. Check it out. This is Yeshua for you, to be the next of kin. Amen. You know where I think about this the most? When you're in the doctor's office, do you ever fill out the paperwork? Who is your next of kin? I put Jesus. But they, they wanted a phone number. I told him, 777, 777, four sevens. No, we, we need somebody here on this earth, Mr. Plummer. So to be the next of kin and as such to buy back relatives' property, marry his widow, etc. Think about what Yeshua has done, everyone. Because of sin, we lost everything. We lost our inheritance. We lost, every, we lost everything. Yeshua gives it all back to you. But is that what you want? I'm struggling because do I really want a spiritual inheritance? Do I really want to go to Israel and sleep on a cot and pick grapes? Do I really want to do that? Do you want a spiritual inheritance? We say yes, but then you don't want to go for it because you know what's required now. And it doesn't do what? Oh, I don't want that. See, once you recognize, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, this is so good. Once you recognize the need in your spirit, that is what you're going to go for. It's no longer going to be a want. It's going to be a need. Because here's the thing. If you want to put something back together, you have to have the right parts, and you got to put it together properly. Amen? So you need to do it the way he wants it done. 
So when we talk about the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel, we need to keep this in mind. Amen? Look at this. The Avenger, he's the original superhero. He is. Everything's a counterfeit, right? Deliver, ransom. He paid the ransom. But you got to go over this in your spirit, in your mind. You got to go over this. He paid the price. He's my Avenger. He's my deliverer. He's my ransom, you know. He's my next of kin. He's the closest relative I'll ever have. He's the closest relative I'll ever know. I need to know this. I need to know this because I want to follow the spiritual laws and I need to know him because, amen, because the check isn't good unless it's signed. You pray to the Father in Yeshua's name. Check is no good unless it's signed in the box. The king is in the field. Amen. The king is in the field. In Elul, God comes to console us. During this month, God is very close nearby. All we have to do is reach out to meet him. What does this mean? It means that all year round, there are many layers that shroud your own essence from yourself. There is a split between your inner self and your outer self, who you truly are and what you do, your spirit and your activities. In Elul, many of these layers are stripped. You can access, if you wish, your true self, since it is a part of the higher reality and the essence of all of existence called God. We're all trying to find our true self. Come on, somebody. These things are pulling us down, these bad habits, these things we've been carrying, these familiar spirits, all this stuff, and we're trying to find our true self to what God wants us to be. In Elul, the king is in the field, writes the altar Rebbe. He uses the analogy of a king who is returning home from his travels as a way of explaining the phenomenon of Elul. Notice that Av was like tragic, the golden calf, the temple's destroyed, amen? It's a tragedy. Now we're going into consolation. He wants to console us in this month. The king had been traveling. He had left his palace and gone to a far-off land outside his kingdom, and now he is on his way home. He is about to enter his palace, and he stands outside in the field greeting his people. Then he goes back into the palace and again mounts his throne. When the king is in the field, writes the altar Rebbe, every person has the opportunity without petitioning for an audience to go over to him, say hello, hello, and ask for whatever he or she needs. The king is smiling. He is happy to be home. He is in his informal mode and he is predis- or predisposed to grant all requests. That's Elul. On Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the king is back in his palace on his throne. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are holidays. Elul is amid work days. We are in the field. We are still living our normal lives. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur have a very uh, powerful uh, point because on those days we petition the king in his inner sanctum. But in Elul, we petition the king on our turf. It is a profound message of hope that we don't have to wait for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to find God. We can go out to meet him now. Ask yourself, if you could literally go out to meet God in the field, 
How would you approach him? What would you ask him? Ryan and I are doing this book together, 60 Days. We're talking about this letter that we need to write and these other things, or what you would ask. If you could write a letter to God, what would it be? I don't have time to read mine. Maybe I could read Ryan's later. (laughs) Ryan texted me, what would you ask God if he was out in the field? And so I texted him back, when's your birthday? You know, the debate over the, the birth of Yeshua is there because he, he, he's always existed. You know, we can guess the season or this or that, but if we could pinpoint one day, everybody would be like, oh, look, see, he can't be divine. He was born here. This is his date. But if he's mysteriously born, right, through the conception of the Holy Spirit, that's called a spiritual law. You can't touch that. You can't touch this, right? Now, some of this might be really deep for some of you, but deep is calling deep, okay? I had a little girl that would sit on the steps, just look around. Now she jumps in 12 feet of water. And like the Lord showed me, deep is calling deep, everyone. You can live shallow all you want. You can put on a facade, a mask. You can live a shallow life. Oh, yeah, looks like it's going to rain today. Or you can go deep with God. I've jumped in 12 feet of water. Deep is calling deep. I'm going into the deep end. I'm not going off the deep end, but I'm going into the deep end. And and what does that take? From the time that you want to decide to do that, you have to think about, I'm here, but I want to get to there. So when you leap, that space between your feet and the water is your faith. It's your faith. So I have nothing to lose in the things that are happening in this congregation and, and that God has revealed. I have nothing to lose and all to gain by leaping into the 12 feet of water because the deep is calling deep. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to analyze it. I just have to do it. Amen? We need to be relational and not informational. We need to be relational and not informational. Amen? Do you have best friends? Do you have friends? Do you have friendships? Work on that. Keep in touch with your family. Believe for your family. Help them out as much as you can. If it be possible, be at peace with all men. Sometimes the families can be divisive, argumentative, things are happening. But do your part, amen? Don't write them off. You're connected to them. You're the ticket. If you don't make it, they're not going to make it. You're going out first. John 14, 21. Let's read it. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Love manifested is what I call this. Amen? You know, if you love someone, you'll do things for them. Amen? Truly, that's the right heart. Amen? If you love something, you're going to give to it. It's, it's just, it's a natural response. Now, if you don't, you know, you're not doing anything for your spouse, then you don't love her. There's no way you can love her. You would show your love for her by doing things for her. Because what did he say here? What did Yeshua say? You keep my commandments, I'm going to manifest myself to you. Right? It's about a relationship. I've never seen such broken relationships in all my life. The statistics for 
People going to church is way down. It's the lowest it's ever been. It's going down, down, down. People don't want to be part of organized religion or a community. It's less and less and less. It's been proven through research. It's true. There's less people going to church now than ever before. Seriously. It's bad. It's like a plague. Because people think that they can just be a part of something else. They, they would call it a body. But it's a fraud. It is. It's a real fraud. Let's look at John 15, 15 and 16. We're almost done. Let's read it. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Look at that. Called not servants, but friends. Friends, how many of us have them? Think about it. Some of you didn't get that. Everybody over 50 is like, huh? Now, this is divinity. This is God, the creator, wanting this with you. Would you say that's pretty intimate? Wait a minute. God wants to be my friend? Amen? You should always go to God before you go to the phone. When I have a problem that's personal or here or whatever, I always go to God first. I've practiced that for years. And then he'll show me how to work it out and who to share and what to do, who's involved. Amen? But because we can't see him, touch him, and feel him, you know, we lose sight of Jesus. Remember what Thomas said? Oh, if only I could see the nail prints. <laughs> Watch what you wish for. Here, Thomas, doubting Thomas. Phrase, right? Now he built up a phrase, doubting Thomas. I don't want to be doubting Nick. Last verse, verse 16 of John 15, let's read it. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whosoever you shall, or whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You pray in his name, but what are we praying for, amen? It's like this joke, you know, what are you praying for, you know? The Christian goes into the appliance store and he's got his hands on the refrigerator. Big, nice ice maker. It's beautiful, stainless steel. Lord, I'm just believing for this, Father. I need this. I need this, um, this refrigerator in, uh, in Jesus' name, right? That's great. The Jew owns the store. Closing that with a testimony. I hope I have it here. Maybe I put it under my Bible or something. Where's my little notepad here? Ah, voila. The kids didn't get it. Miracle happened. This is my secular, in closing, this is just my little secular notebook journaling. Tuesday, November 19th, 1991. Well, it's been eight months and 12 days, think about it, since my last entry. What a slouch. What a bum. But Mr. Plummer, in this job interview, can we depend on you? I'm not a journalist. 
A lot has come about and not for the better. On August 29th, I was hit by a drunk driver while riding in the back of Heather's geostorm. I went to the hospital just to play it safe. Heather did not admit herself out of fear. I was out of work for six weeks and bored right out of my skull. Now, I'm not a believer. This is November of 91. When I returned to work, I was scheduled in the dye room for two weeks. On October 26th, my car broke down on the Crosstown Expressway. I had the car towed to Leisure Automotive, and during Sunday night or early Monday morning, somebody broke the driver's side window of my car and stole my receiver, amp, and rear speakers. I got $218 from Allstate after my deductible. I had a great policy back then. <laughs> On November 2nd, I came down with acute bronchitis and missed a whole week of work. This is, of course, taken from my secular journal. This was, of course, November 19th, 1991. Let's, let's look at the next day, Wednesday, November 20th, 1991. Overslept because I have had a hard time falling asleep. I had to be at work at 5 a.m. and I didn't make it until 7, 10 a.m. And I continue on in December of 91 towards the end of the year. Check this out. Sometime in the latter part of 1991, after going through all the bad times that I did, I made the comment that 1992 would be my year and the best year ever. I made the comment that 1992 would be my year and the best year ever for me. But that was an understatement. I firmly believe that because I was open to God, what transpired in the month of March in 92 changed my whole life and how I now look at life. So what I want to submit to all of you is that we have to get back to the person of Yeshua. We get so wrapped up in doing all these things in the fall feast that we lose sight of the person. And I don't want that for this congregation. I want to dance with the one who brought me. Amen? And when it comes to God's Word, when it comes to God's Word, there are four groups of people. This is it. There's four groups of people. They are the ignorant, the followers, the backsliders, and the critics. Which one are you? When it comes to God's word, there are four groups of people. They are the ignorant, the followers, the backsliders, and the critics. Amen. I'm committed to the vision of Beit Tehillah. It breaks my heart to see what's happening even in our midst, in our congregation. I've never seen such wishy-washy people in my life. I've never seen so many people come and go. I've never seen so many people just leave without saying goodbye. That it truly breaks my heart. It truly breaks my heart. I, I thought I deserved a little more respect than that. But I want to assure you of this. My wife and I are committed to God. We are committed to you and to the vision of Beit Tehillah. So much so that my father-in-law passed away. He died in this vision and gave it to me. And, and I know I'm not perfect, but I am going to see the fruition of this vision. Mark my words. Mark it in your Bibles. Pastor Nick will see the fruition of the vision of Beit Tehillah. And I am going to see it. Now, I don't know who's going to be with me. 
but I know I'm going to be with my wife and children. And if you want to join my wife and I, then join us. Because fun and games is over. We are living in serious, serious times. If you'll just get alone with God and open your heart up, you will weep, you will be broken when you truly see where you've positioned yourself and where you should be. And do you even care about what's going on in the world? Does God have your attention? Is the road that you're on leading to God? That's all I want. I'm not here to debate anybody, argue with anybody, convert anybody. I'm here to live what's revealed. That's all I'm here for. If you want to ask me, how do you practice your faith? How do you do this? How do you do that? Meet with me in my office. I'll be glad to share it with you. Amen? I'm not dumbfounded. I'm not just stumbling around and trying to figure it out. God has orchestrated my life every minute, every second, every day. He's my calendar. He tells me where to go, where not to go, who to call, who not to call. I don't just get in the car and go somewhere and this and that. We got to get ready. There's a vetting process happening, amen? There's a vetting process. How badly do you want to be the bride? How many people are disqualifying themselves? There is an opportunity here at Beit Tehillah. Mark my words. I didn't say it was going to be easy, but it's going to be incredibly exciting what God is going to do this next year at Beit Tehillah. He is opening up the door for Orthodox Jews to come and start visiting with us and sharing with us. I believe it's a part of the restoration of the whole house of Israel. I believe it's ordained by God and it'll be fulfilled through God. We just have to participate and yield. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. There's going to be accusations. There's going to be a lot of things going on, but it doesn't matter. We just want to be obedient. Amen? Amen. How many of you would go to Paul and go pray for him? Remember the apostle Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus? I'm not going to him. Lord, you, now, Lord, you should know this, but he's a murderer and he's rounding these people up and arresting them. I'm not going to him. The same thing's happening today. I'm not having nothing to do with Orthodox Jews. Why would you have anything to do with them? I have everything to do with them. Amen? It's going down, folks. It's going down. Maybe it's not the way you thought it would go down, but it's going down. Amen? I spoke with a, with a practicing Jew this week, and we were talking on the phone, and I'll close with this. Think about it. He was talking about the Latins. Any Latins in the house? You're going to like this. I wish I was Latin. I try to go out by the pool, but I'm just not Latin enough. George Hamilton. So we're talking, and, and he just, he says to me, he goes, you know, he said, in Europe, you know, there's a lot of anti-Semitism, and, and the Europeans are not really favoring Israel overall. Most Europeans do not. Really, it's bad. It's really bad. He said, but the Latins, he said, I believe there's, a, there's an opportunity there. And I think God's going to open up the door. And he said, I believe they're the northern kingdom that are part of Israel. I didn't say it. I didn't bring it up. Listen, hear me out. We are part of the commonwealth of Israel, Ephesians 2, okay? We are part of the commonwealth of Israel. And you see what Hayovel's doing? That's what we need to be doing. Getting under them, seeing how they're doing it, seeing what they're doing, and join forces. Amen. So this is what's going. This is what's going to happen. Aren't you excited? Amen. Amen. 
to have your own cot and have a name on it? Now, I'm excited, but I mean, think about the seven spies that are going to come back from Hayavel, the, the, the congregation to go, what do you think they're going to do? Oh, I was all right. I think next time I'm going to Vegas. Ask each one of them how, how important it was or how it changed their life. We'll just let them share it, but I'm just saying that we're there, everyone. Don't wake up with a blank piece of paper. You should have a vision. People perish because they don't have vision. You should know who you are, who he is, and what you're doing, and what your purpose is. Amen? We're raising up a strong community and the next generation in here, and that's what we're going to do. And that's the point. Amen? Remember that. It's all about the Yeshua. I don't want to get accused of, you know, all these other things, and, and, and you know, I don't want to get accused of Judaism. We're not. If anything, we're going to do biblical Judaism, right? Not rabbinic, but biblical. And the Jews are trying to figure us out anyway, right? Christians with Torah? Oy vey, what is that? You know? So, so how many of this is an exciting time? Amen? There's a rabbi, Rabbi Riskin. He's the chief rabbi in Ephrat, which is seven miles south of Jerusalem. I didn't have a chance to hear him speak last Tabernacles in Israel. We had to go get on the bus and do some things. But anyway, check out Rabbi Riskin, the chief rabbi of Ephrat. And he's got one little YouTube video on there that's about five minutes long called uh, Jew, Jew, or Jews and Christians or Judaism and Christianity and Messianism. And so he believes that Christians and Jews can work together. Amen? So does everybody understand what I'm saying? I believe Jews and Christians can work together. Would you be in agreement with me? Yes. Would you want to be a part of that? Amen. Okay. So that's what's happening. So if you want me to try to explain it, that's the best way I can explain it. I believe Jews and Christians can work together. Amen. For the common good. So, so Father, we just thank you for your son, Yeshua. We thank you for this personal relationship with you and that you are our friend. And, and we want to be your friend. And you are just a, a mighty, mighty, you're a heavenly father, a husband, a, a redeemer, a savior, so many things, a deliverer. Just so many things. We thank you that it's to our benefit that we acknowledge that because of the spiritual realm. And so, Father, we just want to uh, thank you for what you're doing. We, we pray that unless you build this house, we labor in vain. And we do pray for the restoration and regathering of the whole house of Israel. And we thank you for this body uh, that's here, uh, many members in one body. We, we pray for those that are watching live streaming, that they'll be encouraged. They'll be enlightened, Father. They'll be inspired by your Holy Spirit to, to live what's revealed and to practice what they need to practice uh, where they're at in, in, in any state that they're watching from right now. And, and we just know that they're connected to us. We're connected to them. And we're just connected by the Spirit together to be a part of the whole house of Israel. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. God bless all of you.